0: If you have or are responsible for employees, would you win or lose a claim under the Equal Pay Act that a female employee was paid less than her male peers or a claim from the IRS that a consultant was an employee under the Fair Labor Standards Act? Or a claim from an employee for being fired for going on a Caribbean vacation instead of recovering under the Family Medical Leave Act. What you know about and how you practice laws regarding human resources can cost or save your business tens, hundreds of thousands, and even millions of dollars. Today's guest, Nicole Mitchell, is a veteran HR professional who will tell us how to initiate good HR governance, potentially saving your organization in valuable time and resources.
1: It's time once again for another episode of Georgia Business Radio. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. And now here's your host, Rich Casanova.
0: Hello, this is Artie Ruderman, co-hosting with Rich Casanova. And today we have a guest, Nicole Mitchell, who is an HR professional who will help us learn about HR governance, how to practice it, how to enforce it, and why it's important. It Rich, must be important because you're pounding on the table, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah! <laughs>
0: I get dramatic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Nicole, welcome to the studios. Thank you. Absolutely. So uh, today is all things HR, yes or Yes.
2: Yes and
1: yes <laughs> Okay, good So talk to us about your company And then um, and then big picture On kind of the industry of uh, human resources A lot of people uh, Maybe some misnomers about that Or what you've learned about the industry But let's start with your company first
2: So my company is HR Biz. We are a full-service company providing to small and medium-sized organizations, and what organizations usually do is try to outsource the things that they're not familiar with, but they're not usually familiar with HR processes. They know about the payroll, and they try to outsource the similar to uh, accounting or other legal entities. So they look outside for the expertise, and then what we offer is a custom solution, getting them to understand what the HR needs are and what... Type of assistance they might need to have. We get special into the what are we doing, how are we doing, what do we need to do, and our goal is to provide you through expertise for our products and our services.
0: Nicole, we all know that hiring new employees is a challenging process. Good employees can make a company more profitable and successful and, unfortunately, do otherwise. <laughs> But uh, guidelines for hiring right employees is only a fraction of HR consultancy. A larger issue can be governance for existing employees. And most small, medium-sized businesses do not have active HR, enforcing HR policies. This can cause complications quickly because most small and mid-sized companies may have initially put an HR policy in place but rarely enforce and have neglected to keep abreast of new trends and regulations. So companies like HR Biz can provide HR governance on a fractional basis. Can you amplify on that?
2: Absolutely. So one of the things that um, we cater to are the small and medium-sized businesses who either can't afford to or don't know what to do in terms of the HR business. They can't afford to. full-time HR staff. They don't need someone sitting in the office 40 hours a week waiting for something to happen. So what we'll do instead is have a project-based approach or a retainer, having HR by your side when you need them to be able to take care of those incidents or, or opportunities that happen.
0: There are so many different areas of good HR governance. Uh, let's take a few topics. Uh, you and I talked off the air about the life cycle of an employee. That sounds... Intriguing.
2: So go ahead. I can, right, what I can do is fill in a, literally what that life cycle is and starting from the point where, again, businesses are unfamiliar with from recruiting an employee, finding a good hire, all the way to the end of that experience with the employer, whether that is involuntary or voluntary. The life cycle encompasses everything from what questions do I ask in the interview, what do I do with them once I have them in place, do I have onboarding. Employee relations may be the biggest part of the life cycle because they're there on a day-to-day basis, and things can go smoothly, but things can also come up where there's interaction with the employer or other employees to, as I said, the end of the experience with the employer positively or negatively, and how you handle those are definitely things that can come into compliance and risk equals revenue.
0: Now, we also talked about a strategy for keeping existing employees in place. Can you elaborate on that for us and tell us why that's important?
2: Definitely. It's all about what you do to keep the valued employees that you have. Instead of just saying, okay, I've hired you. Here's the job that you need to do. Here's the task completed. I need to be focused as a business owner on what are the things that I can do to make sure that this is a safe workplace, a workplace that's free of harassment. It's a big issue that is a hot topic right now, the Me Too movement. What do you do as the employer to make sure that people are coming to work on a daily basis and being able to work in an environment that's comfortable, that's safe, Um, things that happen, I've had an employee or an employer who doesn't know what it is that they should be doing when someone comes to complain about harassment.
1: Actually, I just wrote in my notes the Me Too movement. So um, that's a topic that's really hot right now, and there's a lot of uncertainty with that. Back to harassment, though. Is Where's the line? I mean, how does one person say, um, I mean, how do you define that, that I felt like I was harassed and and you're not?
2: So the key is, as you said, there's a balance there. And what's most important is the fact that there's some type of training that's involved. You're not leaving up to the employee to decide what's the correct thing to do. So on an annual basis, there should be some type of harassment training that goes on with all of the employees telling them what do you think is harassment and what they should do in those circumstances. So it's
1: defined up front before this before it becomes a situation.
2: Exactly. Right
1: so everybody knows everybody on board and then part of that onboarding process with new employees as well right.
2: Exactly it'll start at the onboarding process and then it'll continue annually so that there's no gaps or I thought I interpreted it this way.
1: And also things change Um, so what might have applied last year was going to change for next year right.
2: Exactly. Things like the Me Too movement will prompt employees and employers to make sure that what has happened now, I may need to go back and revamp my policies because what came up in a case, maybe someone didn't consider that previously.
1: Right. And I got two quick questions here. Um, so you mentioned small business-sized businesses. Where do you? How do you define the threshold between when they move from smbs to large or extra large right?
2: usually and and this is an interesting conversation <laughs> when it starts with a a client of right. you know where do you fall in the category and it can be in two ways whether it's the number of employees or the revenue cycle. Okay, yeah. The revenue is not as easy to to use because you could be a very successful company and only have ten people.
1: Especially all the startups of technology. Exactly, that,
2: right? exactly.
1: So typically, that uh, is what uh, fifty or five hundred or two i I've heard the number two fifty employees. That seems like a rather large. Right, two fifty.
2: You're getting into the larger employees, and in right. most of those cases, that's someone who has some dedicated HR staff, yeah. simply because they have the day to day to go on. But the smaller to medium size, they're two people you know there's a two people company sure, yeah. that's a small size company yeah. 50 can still be there one of the other things that comes into play is what are the regulations that you have to be considered IRS regulations right. will consider certain things
1: and if you're a solopreneur and claim harassment then that's a whole other topic that's here. a whole you other have topic some, you have some personality challenges or
2: whatever yes then you need HR to talk to yourself <laughs> right, right, exactly <laughs> yeah
1: so one last question already before I turn it back to you so uh how does this overlap into customers interaction and is that part of the HR wheelhouse, or no? That um, that there's a disruption, or uh, employees weren't trained correctly to interact with. Uh, customer challenges.
2: That is absolutely the case, and as you see out on social media and the things that yeah. are happening with you know, especially customer-based retail and hospitality, yeah. you again as the owner and the employer have to train the employees okay. for what's the correct interaction. Yeah. Some will spend money to send them out to particular trainings, but you are responsible for the action of that employee and whatever they do. Even if you terminate them, that's still your company that committed the offense.
1: Yeah, because the uh, a while back it was Starbucks with their issue, but more recently I was just reading on LinkedIn. And today there's a company up in New York that's literally closing all their locations on Wednesday, tomorrow. Yes. To deal with to, an issue, right? Like that.
2: Yeah. So if you're talking about um, the cosmetics company... Sephora. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sephora. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that was part of the issue that they have... They decided and followed the path of Starbucks to say, we need to go in, close the store, and make sure that everyone is aware of what it is that our expectations are. And it's becoming more and more common because you can't just say, I talked to the one person. Right. What if it happens in you know another scenario?
1: So not just from a legal perspective, but from a PR or customer standpoint... Um, not just perception of reality, is they're they're uh, dealing with this um, uh, on a serious basis and they're taking a proactive approach to it, right?
2: Absolutely. So there's not a case for the employees to be able to say, well, I was never told or I was never informed. And the shutting it down, as you said, from the public relations perspective is indicating Seriously. how serious I'm taking yeah. this, that I'm willing to, you know, lose some revenue to yeah. make sure that it still is less than what you may have to pay out in fines on an eventual basis.
0: I, I was going to point that out from personal experience. I don't want to dwell just on the the negative side. There's Absolutely. very positive sides yeah. to good HR governance that, that could really make a company so more successful. So I'm the successful. bad cop. Now you're the good but, cop, yeah. But <laughs> I, I do want to talk from I, – I, I owned a company for 20 years with 100 employees, and you don't have that kind of business for that long and not have issues yeah. in h r right. and and uh, I had several unfortunate uh, sexual um, harassment issues from senior executives of my company, and the first time i, I the company was fined. Pretty heavily, mm-hmm. uh, given the time and the day. But then we initiated um, the what you had just recommended, uh, you know, having um,
2: uh, uh, annual harassment training. right.
0: Put mm-hmm. that into place, and the second and third time, different employees. <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully, not me, folks.
2: <laughs> Clearly, they weren't listening right. in the training. <laughs> exactly, <Right>? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but because we did have that in place and did initiate it, the the, the county took a whole different took st- that into
2: consideration. Right. Yes.
0: So again, I don't want to dwell on that because there are some good things. Let's talk about the trends that are currently happening. Rich touched upon the the Me Too, which we know is. is, But there's something else happening, too, and that's with the new gig economy economy, that the IRS is kind of looking at that a little bit more carefully, trying to define who is a a sole entrepreneur and who is an employee. Maybe you can enlighten us on that.
2: So one of the key things as far as classification is concerned would be whether or not that person should be a contractor or an employee. As you said, FLS? say defines that if the person has specific duties you're commanding them on what is it they do how they do it when they go about it you can't very well say but they're an independent contractor the leeway is there for certain. Um, industries, there are a lot of in IT, or other places where your judgment is really the, def, the defining factor. But to avoid payroll taxes or avoid overtime for the sake of classifying somebody as a contractor, the IRS and other entities will make sure that there are specific regulations out there. If you don't meet that test, then you're making yourself liable for I considered them as a contractor. I pay them on an invoice, but in actuality, I've commanded all of the things that they do and their job responsibilities. This is an employee that you're treating as a contractor, and usually for financial purposes. So and, and being aware of that is the key.
1: And that varies state to state as Absolutely, well, right? Absolutely, yes. I had a company out in California, and... Uh, you really almost couldn't have a 1099 employee in our case because we were asking them to be a specific place, at specific time. Exactly. Right. You're um, determining
2: their job responsibilities.
1: So what Artie was alluding to is the positive side. So um, talk to us about that. You know, you, you see a lot of these articles or magazines, the best places to work, top you know 100 companies to work for. Uh, why? You know, either mention some of those companies, and or what criteria or what makes that environment, what creates that environment, or how can companies um, create that environment. That was probably a, a five uh, rapid-fire question there, but <laughs> no but problem. Just, but th- no problem. That whole idea, because oh, oh, what I think, makes that workplace? Yeah, because every company I think would like to achieve that, right?
2: Absolutely. And so I can speak from personal experience. And one of the companies that I worked for did make it in the AJC Best Workplaces oh, wow. uh, in the small to medium size category. And all of the things. And as a company owner, and the you know direction comes from the top down, that it was very important to make sure that the employees were taken care of. So benefits is a big thing. What okay. do you offer? As far as benefits are concerned, what do you look for when the employees are giving suggestions and and providing information as well as compensation? So sitting down, having performance reviews, they are huge in making a good workplace. You can't really decide what the great workplace is going to be if you don't know what those employees are looking for. So career development, when I can sit down with an employee and say, we've done your review. Here's where you want to go. This is your opportunity for advancement. Those are the things when you take them into consideration, even to say, well, you know, I didn't have a position in place, but I'm going to create something that's a next level up. They have something to work for. So creation around the employee can't meet all of their desires, but you can definitely make sure that the things that are taken into consideration are what they need.
1: I like that concept you kind of touched on, like employee ownership where they have some, um, some stake in the company. What, and it may not be financial, but they just feel like they're engaged. I, I know uh, we had Choke Construction in here a while back, the founder, and when I drive by Petrie every time I see their sign, one of their things is it says 100% employee owned. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you feel that way, then you're going to take an extra step Right, to um, to make sure that whatever widget you're delivering or service to the marketplace is five-star.
2: Right, because it's a reflection yeah, of your work. Right, yeah. It's not just that I came in, I clocked in, right. You know that employee engagement and recognition, even if, it, as you said, it's not financial, but somebody who feels invested in the company, right. that this person is proud of what I'm doing and making my contribution to the overall end goal success of the company. So
1: last follow-up on that is, um, so how can a company that's... Uh, not in that rankings of the top workplaces. What are some things they can incorporate that maybe uh, they're not not on their list or not, they're currently doing? Are they're yeah. simple? Maybe or. yeah.
0: How how can they compete? You know, against yeah, yeah. the larger companies to keep. Good, qualified employees. Good question. That's what I would have said.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly what you meant. Um, Benefits being, uh, like I said, a big one in terms of the misnomer for small businesses is that I can't afford it. And they compare themselves to companies who you walk in and you sign, you get your medical, dental, and vision package, all the things that you want to choose from. As a small business owner, looking to see what are the alternatives, what are the models that are out there that can allow me to compete. When I put in a job description that I offer benefits, I may not be able to say I'm giving you a 401k plan with a company match of X percent. But you come in and you have a marketplace plan, but I'm contributing to it. It's easy for uh, easier for a small company to say, I can contribute $100 towards whatever is your medical premium that you have to pay without incurring themselves a small group premium. So the small things, giving supplemental income replacement, accident, cancer, Solutions that are not necessarily going to hit hard on the bottom line of the company, but it does show that employee that you have some concern for them and moving yourself into that category.
0: A, a good example for that, and this is not a plug for it, it's just a category, would be uh, disability insurance. Absolutely. Right? And then there are firms like AFLAC that are not necessarily disability insurance, but do give cash for time that an employee would be out due to a disability.
2: Right. And that's the key where you have AFLAC and other vendors. So if I'm sitting down, and this is what, again, people don't understand as a small business owner, it costs you nothing to have an AFLAC representative come in, sit down, you may provide some lunch, talk to the employees so they understand what their options are. You can still set it up where it's contributed to by the company or fully on the individual. But in either case, this is something that's going to prevent them when you're concerned about they're going to be out of work, they've had an accident, but they are willing to come back to the company because you were looking out for me. You gave me an opportunity to purchase some disability. I may have gotten 60% of my salary out for three weeks, and I'm back, as opposed to I didn't offer anything at all, and all I can do is be concerned that, I'm out of work and I have no money coming to me. Most people don't go research on their own.
1: Let me jump in. We're about 10 minutes um, uh, left on the show here. Just want to remind our listeners you're listening to the Georgia podcast here on the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta. And we're having a conversation with Nicole Mitchell. She's the president uh, of HR Biz. Uh, what's what's a how do people find you online? What's a website? or So, a, my
2: website is www.hrbizgroup.com. I'm also on social media. You can find me on Facebook and on Instagram.
1: Well, now it's at the end, but some people I know are sitting on the edge of their seat, like, uh, I want I to yeah, look it up right now while Feel they're free, talking to you. Yeah. One more time, what's the website?
2: <laughs> it's www.hrbizgroup.com.
1: Okay. Uh, we got lots of other topics here. We're going to hit on gender equality, um, new hiring vetting. And I want to talk about remote working and teleworking. But Artie, you had a question here?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I want to go back to the conversation that we were having about benefits because it's very difficult. You know, I was a small business owner mm-hmm. to, to compete. And in my day, um, we had HMOs becoming popular. Medical benefits are a big expense mm-hmm. to a small business. Uh, and, and today there's a new medium. You want to talk about that, a new offering that's out there that small business owners can look at?
2: Yes, there is what's a, a membership model that's out there without having to buy a, a premium, a small business policy. There's a membership model that you offer to the employees. They pay a set dollar amount, and it's really a, a opportunity to work with telemedicine. So you have a group of doctors that have agreed to be part of this model. They are able to contact the doctors. The same thing in the bigger companies. When you have a regular plan, you do have a telemedicine option. So you have these doctors. You can go to them. If, you, for some reason, you do need to go into a urgent care or there's some other situation, you can have that. But this gives you an opportunity to, at a much lower cost, yeah. pay the dollar amount. You right. know what your dollar cost is going to be. And that membership model will continue and allow you. You can also layer that on with other plans. So the membership model will cover certain things and then if you needed to have extended hospitalization or surgery coverage that's an opportunity to you as well.
1: I like that that offering is a membership model because it's something an employee can act on more qu- quickly Correct. and without the scheduling and uh, that kind of thing right. So um, so you mentioned the telemedicine. Let's talk about teleworking or tele um, you know, employees working remotely. That's a big thing right now. How does that impact uh, from the employer standpoint for, in terms of HR it reduces their cost, management, or resources. I mean, is that a good thing, or is there are there different challenges? Because now you've got an employee off-site that's representing your brand, not really interacting with um uh, employees
2: right so a lot of it depends on the industry whether or not that's something that's going to be a fit for the industry yeah. how independently that person can work sometimes customer service again it's a great space saver because yeah, yeah. you don't need to set up the equipment in-house have cubicles you know computers and all that but you but do need reduces, to find a way to yeah. manage it
1: yeah i mean assuming that it fits for that business model um that can, I just in terms of numbers, if you have 100 people working remotely, that's, uh, it, it reduces your liability. Of possible harassment or issues or whatever, right, in the workplace?
2: It does. Uh, the balance is, though, again, like you said, when you're talking with employees, you have to have some, with customers, excuse me, you have to have some very yeah. serious and strict training because you're not there. There's nobody right. to oversee it. There are times, there are systems where you can listen Monitor, in on yeah, calls. Yeah. If you don't have that capability, then that's something it else that in, in, that can be a challenge. Trouble, yeah. right, be shutting exactly. down your
1: phone lines for, for the day, yeah. Right. Um, okay, let's completely maybe switch gears. And talk about um, the new hiring, the onboarding process, vetting, you know, are there challenges or red flags or, um, or tips you can give when you're bringing on a new person?
2: Absolutely. And it starts as far as back as the interviewing process. And that's one of the things where, you know, you can really bring value to a company by making sure that you're doing that process in a compliant manner and an effective cost effective. So as you start out the process with vetting the employees, where you're posting even, is a creative? I've had yeah. someone who, they shared that, you know, yes, I, I'm having trouble with my employees, <laughs> but I'm, I'm recruiting from Craigslist. Craigslist yeah. Well, that's the first problem <laughs> right, that we're yeah. there. Uh, but we don't understand that you can set a budget on Indeed. You can say right, how right. much I'm going to spend per day right. for this ad, and I'm not at the mercy of, I have to go find, you know, $350 to post this ad for a certain number of days. So, for example, in my case where I work with an an employer that wants to say, okay, I've got to go out and find employees, I don't have the time to do it, and I don't know where to go with it. We sign a contract, we go on a project based and say, for the number of employees that you're looking to find, I'm going to take that off your hands. Okay. We're going to post it. I'm going to provide you with interview questions, which is the other key part where, you know, you shouldn't be asking about the number of children or how you're going to get to work or, you know, all of those things that are red flags on both sides. I have an article um, on my website which talks about those questions and then you either have to back off that conversation or you need to dig a little deeper. But in any case, you want to make sure all the way through, until you get to that person deciding whether they're going to be a good hire these are the, the key f- red flags or questions that you want to be able to, to ask.
0: You know, um, we, we kind of dwelled on the protection side, saving the company money with good HR governance. But there, there's also a side, and we only have a few minutes left. Yeah. Um, and we can go on for another hour easily. But can you uh, give us some examples of you know, HR, how it creates value for a company?
2: Yes, definitely. So one of the things as far as the strategic planning for the company is being able to say, these are the things that I need to do. We start out where you are and where you're trying to go to. What's the best payroll process to put in place? Do you need to make sure that there is a system that you can afford and is also going to be effective to you? Layering on those things. You add the value to the company by being cost effective but also being proactive. I want to know what I'm going to be doing in five years from now. How many employees do I need to have in order for my company to be successful,
0: can you is give it, us any examples that maybe you have uh, consulted with that yes. you have
2: seen that kind of positive response? Definitely. So, I've had a client who was looking to do um, expansion and eventually rolling into what her number of employees, she couldn't handle the work that she was doing. So, what we did was come up with a strategic project plan of how she could go about hiring. This is a payroll system, she didn't have one. Recommendations, pet up, set up a payroll system finding her a benefit broker who could add to what of the selections that she has. In addition, finding an insurance agent who could write her the workers' comp policy. By putting those things in place, she literally was at a point that she couldn't answer her phone fast enough to handle the work that she was doing. This gave her Finding a new employee, she can go out and do the work now that she was missing for the phone calls, even to the point of a virtual assistant, because her voicemail <laughs> box was full. Hire <laughs> someone who's able to take the calls for you, take the messages, give you those, and now you've moved into a more successful set of company, uh, company issues, and you're able to move forward and keep on growing the company. She's adding more employees as she gets the work.
1: I love that. I think that's a good note to wrap up on. So, uh, Nicole, one more time, uh, how would folks uh, find you?
2: The website is www.hrbizgroup.com. You can find me, HRBizATL, on Instagram and my Facebook page. There's lots of information out there.
1: All right. On behalf of Artie Ruderman, Rich Casanova here. We'll uh, look forward to joining us on the next episode of the Georgia Podcast. We'll see you next time.
2: Thank you again for
1: joining Rich Casanova and our guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of Georgia Business Radio.